Showtime Sports presents Showtime Boxing with Eric Raskin and Kieran Mulvaney. Hello and welcome to a special Davis Garcia post-fight edition of Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney with my co-host Eric Raskin. I am Kieran Mulvaney and Eric, there is no question whatsoever about the biggest and most important news coming out of the big fight at the T-Mobile Arena. And that is that you and I are recording a podcast having left the arena at 9.30 p.m. on a Saturday night. This is basically bliss for us. Yeah, it, it, it sure is. This uh, this is how it was meant to be. Start, yep. a, start a fight at 8 o'clock Eastern. Five o'clock Pacific, start the fight card at that time. Have us actually be on the West Coast. Yep. So that it feels even earlier to us. I, I may move to Hawaii. Think of think of all the extra hours. <laughs> well, you know, I used to have a good time when, when I lived in Alaska with such things, of course. It was good for watching uh football on Sunday too. Like it was all done by twelve, basically. So yes. you know, so there so there you go. Yeah. yeah. All right, Kieran, uh that we've been rolling for over a minute now and we uh you haven't mentioned the fight. I I, I feel ah, like uh, right. the, listen, the, the listeners could be getting antsy. Right, fair enough. The second most important <laughs> bit of news, Eric, and we you're right, we should talk about that, is that Javante Davis remained unbeaten, uh, uh, knocking down Ryan Garcia twice, uh, the second time conclusively with a body shot in round seven uh, on his way uh, to, to an emphatic KO win. Uh, yes, uh, indeed. And, uh, you know, now I'm, I'm thinking, thinking we need to restructure the order of the most important things tonight. Number three okay. is what you just said, the fight result. Number okay. two is uh the time that it is uh and the fact that we are somehow uh, fully awake and whatnot and able to record because it is so early number one is that yours truly eric raskin predicted exactly javante davis ko7 in our picks competition that's the real headline coming out of tonight i assume that'll be like on the espn front page tonight Oh, probably. I, I suspect Stephen A. Smith is screaming about it right now. <laughs> probably. If he's talking about it, he's screaming about it. That much I know. See, and now we know why the odds were so much shorter mm-hmm. on Davis winning a knockout in round 7 through 9 rather than 10 through 12. There yes. you go. You are right. Everybody listen to the Showtime Boxing Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and we Including actually got... Javante. <laughs> yes, apparently. Uh, and we actually got the report from uh, MGM PR man uh, Scotty Gertner uh just before the fight began, that the odds had closed a bit, that uh, Gervonta ended up a minus 210 favorite and Ryan Garcia a plus 175 underdog, which means the late money came in on Garcia, which means right. the sports books did pretty well, probably. Um, but uh, again, that's only the fourth most important story, how, right. the, sports, how the sports books did. Let, let's talk about the ending mm-hmm. first, I think, and then kind of work our way back to earlier sure. in the fight because it was an unusual sort of finish, a body mm-hmm. shot a left to possibly the liver, somewhere right around that liver area that did not look that hard, but was perfectly placed and immediately reminded me of uh, the way Bernard Hopkins knocked out Oscar De La Hoya. Mm. The difference being Oscar was writhing on the canvas uh, and uh, Ryan Garcia just took an extreme delayed reaction and then took a knee and couldn't quite beat the count. And there was sort of a predictable reaction from some on Twitter that it didn't look believable to them, that what's up with that? How did he get up just a second later? And uh, what that tells me is that 
there are a lot of people out there who don't quite understand how body shots work. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been hit with a body shot, Kieran, but, uh, but I have not. Okay. I have once I was uh, sparring with my brother uh, quite a few years ago and we didn't have headgear. We did have gloves. And so we basically said jabs and body shots only. And it didn't take long before he hit me with a uh, straight punch to the pit of the stomach. Not, not where this one landed on Garcia, but Simple straight punch, not terribly hard. Down I went like one second later. And after about 15 seconds, I could stand up and was fine. But the first 10 seconds, I could not move. That's what a body shot does sometimes. This looked entirely legitimate to me, having watched enough boxing and experienced it. But there was a bit of a reaction uh, from some of the less experienced fight fans wondering what the heck was up with that ending. Yeah, but I mean, you could see that something had landed and it was clearly a body shot. You, it was very obvious that, that, that Ryan winced. He he turned that part of his body away. He immediately started backing up. So it was very obvious he'd been hit and hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then, yeah, you could see he, he was, was was trying to collect himself. And and yeah, then, you know, after he got done, you could also see that there were a couple of times where he, he sort of wanted to get up and he was about to try and will himself to get up. And it looked as if he was waiting for Thomas Taylor to make it to eight. And it just wasn't there for him. And, and right. that's just what the body shots can do to you. Yeah, exactly. It, it did not appear to me whatsoever that he wasn't trying to get up. It looked like he was, but uh, yeah, his body just wouldn't cooperate. So so that was the finish and uh, certainly an, an emphatic win for Javante Davis. But let, yeah, let's talk about what, mm-hmm. uh, what led up to that. We... Almost everyone we talked to, uh, and including us, seemed to agree there was a decent chance that Garcia could build a lead in this fight, whatever they were predicting the end result would be. He started well for one round while Javante while had mm-hmm. his typical slow start, and he was doing quite well in the second round, making uh, Davis hold uh, several times. Uh, Ryan, I was very impressed with the way he was punching while Javante was trying to hold him, and mm-hmm. he continued to land some powerful shots under those circumstances. But then the whole fight turned on a counter left hand from Davis that put Garcia down. And uh, as you observed in the moment sitting next to me, total momentum changer right there. Yeah, it's interesting. And I also just saw a tweet from um, our buddy Stephen Brett. Man Edwards, because obviously you and I, we couldn't hear what was happening in in the corners. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently, so he was praising Joe Goosen, and that after that first round, Joe had said to him something to the effect of, "That was a perfect first round. I want you to do that. Keep stepping forward behind the jab." And instead, of course, Ryan ended up going all out balls to the wall, as it were. And right. in many respects, that was probably just what Javante wanted him to do. And and it looked like it took him quite some time, uh, Ryan Garcia, to sort of almost begin to sort of get his head back in the game afterwards, because we thought that Ryan would bank some early rounds, and he then promptly started falling behind. He, yeah. he lost the third, fourth, and fifth, uh, certainly on our cards, and then began to get it together a little bit in the sixth. Um, going for it a little bit too early, perhaps getting a bit caught up uh, uh, in the event maybe feeling excited because he he tagged him with that right hand. He did everything in that second round, ultimately, that probably Javante Davis wanted him to do. Uh, And a beautiful work by Davis. The way he slipped uh, underneath that left hand and then came back with one of his own was just absolutely terrific. As usual, Davis with very good footwork and very good balance. And look, you have to be, I think if we're entirely honest, 
I don't think that was Javante Davis's hardest night of work in the ring, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, and I agree. Yeah. Um, it looked as if Davis was never particularly bothered. Even when he was holding on, it was just because, no, I'm not ready to do this yet. I don't want this to be at your range. I'm going to hold you and, until everything works out better for me. Uh, I'm not sure Javante Davis could have scripted the whole thing an awful lot better, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I mean, he kind of followed his own script because he apparently like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> predicted a KO7. Um, I, I had noted in the in the third round um, that uh, Javante won that round without doing a whole lot himself offensively, but mm. basically by being in control. He won that. We always hear sort of like the fourth criteria of scoring of the ring generalship and, and do rounds yeah. ever actually get decided by ring generalship. In this case, it, it did the, after he had gotten knocked down. Not that Garcia was terribly hurt by the shot. I mean, right. it was a good, hard, clean shot that put him down legitimately, but I think he got up okay. But it made him so wary that he yep. then proceeded to fight at Javante Davis's pace. If if, yep. if you're not able to outwork Javante Davis, that's a problem. Um, and so, yeah, it was. It, there was some conversation about, uh, you know, how's Tank Davis going to win a decision in this fight? How's he going to? How could that happen? Well, he would have to score a bunch of knockdowns and and really let his power carry him to a decision where he does just doesn't quite get the stoppage. Instead, we ended up seeing a different scenario unfold that would allow Javante Davis to bank a bunch of rounds, and it was that yep. for three, four, and five, those three rounds. Ryan Garcia was just too tentative about letting his hands go, and he was actually getting outworked by Davis, which was, I don't think, a scenario we envisioned happening in too many rounds. No, and I, I even made the note that I was surprised that I, already with that third round, I had Davis is on the front foot already, which mm -hmm. was much earlier than I expected that to happen, yeah. as I'm sure I, most of us did, to be perfectly honest. Um, and yeah, that that really, that second round knockdown did make a big difference in that regard. But... All that said, I'm not sure how much difference it made to the ultimate result because it felt as if Garcia had gotten himself back in the game a little bit with uh, a, a decent sixth round. It mm -hmm. was, uh, uh, we both scored it for, for Ryan Garcia, neither of us thinking that it was a clear cut round, but he did land a couple of clean right hands that, that won him the round. And it began to feel as if he was exercising a kind of responsible offense. Now, finally... Um, that he'd shown signs of in that in that first round, uh, he, you know, I think rounds three, four, and five, he he lost largely because of that second round knockdown. It looked as if he was beginning to get a good game plan together, but yeah, then that just perfectly, perfectly timed shot from Javante, who'd been aiming at the body, right. uh, understandably, obviously, given given his considerable height disadvantage and and given the fact that he does like to throw to the body. Um, he had been landing to the body and obviously looking for a good spot and. Honestly, sometimes no matter how well you have fought, if you are able to, if you ship that kind of a punch, that's that that's often all she wrote. Whatever happened before that? Yeah, and uh, the other thing that that I'll note, uh, sort of that in those middle rounds before uh, set, before Garcia opened up again and allowed Davis to to reach the finish was um, just how relaxed. Davis was, this comes back to your point of this being kind yeah. of easier work than most people maybe expected for, for Tank, that 
in the fourth round, he started chatting with the ref. The, after that, he yeah. was chatting with, with Ryan Garcia, saying something to him as they were fighting. He just was so relaxed and so in control of this fight. And so even in the moments where Garcia was having some apparent success, like round two, round six, early in round seven, landing some punches, there just never was the sense that Tank didn't have him right where he wanted yeah. him uh, to steal yeah. a, a line from a certain person in a, in a competition <laughs> when he's behind by a couple of points. Um Yeah, this was what Tank wanted, was for Garcia to open up at certain points, and and once Tank had him figured out and knew where those opportunities were going to be, he was delighted, I'm sure, in round six to see Garcia doing a little more. Ryan Garcia had a decision to make after, you know, take round three or four to kind of recover, get your feet under you, that's fine. But then he had a decision to make of, do I want to just stay outside Yep. give myself a decent chance at lasting the distance and zero chance of winning this fight? Or do I want to step it up again and see if I can land something big and probably get knocked out? And that's and that's what he decided. And that's the way all these Tank Davis fights seem to go. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, like we were talking to, to Bernard and Oscar about the psychological aspect of, of stepping up to an entirely different level of fight. And, and Bernard kind of poo-pooed it a little bit. But there is also that simple aspect of stepping up in quality and whether you're prepared, not necessarily psychologically, but whether you're prepared in terms of your skills and mm. what you've seen before and what you're able to adapt to and what, and, and what you'll be able to react to. And honestly, I'm not sure that anything that Ryan Garcia had faced to this point was enough to prepare him for Javante Davis. I just think Javante Davis, honestly, I think that he's, just fundamentally uh, uh, all round a better boxer yeah. than Ryan Garcia anyway, but he's also someone who is, who has faced many different looks, who's, who's, you know, been at the top, who's taken on a lot of different styles, a lot of different levels of talent. And, and Ryan, maybe he just, I don't know that he would ever necessarily have been ready for Javante Davis, but perhaps with a bit more seasoning, he he might have been a bit more ready. I just think Tank just had too much for him here. It, it, and I I think we talked about this with, with some of our interviews that I, I just had a sense and it was really drilled home with that press conference. And Andre talked about this, mm-hmm. that Calvin Ford and Tank Davis gave the impression that they knew this wasn't going to be a very hard night's work. Like right. they gave that impression and as we've talked about we've seen guys be confident and say that they're going to win fights and so and so so forth but you there every so often you're like no these these just don't it's not that this fighter and this trainer think they're going to win this fight they know they're going to win it and and i really do think that they looked at, at ryan garcia and thought once we take that left hook away he's going to have nothing for us and especially with his footwork and his movement not enough and i think that's what they showed i just think they showed that tank davis is on an entirely different level he he is he he's on a different plane and it when we were on morning combat and uh brian campbell started breaking down the different categories who has the edge in this who has the edge in that we were picking Davis for just about everything. I was yeah. doing my best uh, sort of from a the little promoter in my mind uh, encouraged me to say Davis, but Garcia's kind of close in this regard. You know, you, you find ways to convince yourself this could be competitive or at the very least, I, I was thinking 
I think I know how this fight's going to go, but I wouldn't be shocked if it went the other way. Garcia's talented. He could land something. You know, that was sort of my attitude going into this fight, and that's exactly how it played out, that, that all logic dictated that Davis is too good, too clever, too talented, and Ryan Garcia is a fine fighter with a lot of talent who was just never quite going to win. Yeah this particular matchup. Um, the one other just interesting observation about the way this fight played out is you'll recall the other time that Ryan Garcia got knocked down. It was against Luke Campbell and <laughs> it was in the second round. <laughs> and you'll recall that that fight ended in the seventh round on a body shot. Wow. <laughs> it just, it just isn't in this case, Ryan Garcia was not delivering the body shot. He was absorbing the body shot, but kind of interesting uh, the, that sort of parallel there between, uh, between those two fights. Which just goes to show, I mean, you'd think they would be less sloppy and come up with better storylines when they fix these fights. Right, exactly. Who are the script writers behind this nonsense, huh? Terrible, terrible. (laughs) Yeah. So so let's talk a little about where each of these guys goes from here before we transition to the undercard. We'll start Mm -hmm. with Garcia. I'm trying to think whether I feel like his stock is damaged at all from this we all we try to say hey go ahead risk your zero because uh, mm-hmm. you can come back you can bounce back he'll certainly remain popular but i wonder if this sort of exposes that he's never going to be a pound for pound level fighter and that therefore that diminishes him slightly do you do you feel like it could or do you feel like no it's fine he's he is what he is a popular fighter who may not get to the very top and this doesn't slow down his ascent in that regard at all. I don't know. It's always so difficult to, to do that assessment immediately afterwards. And you're quite right, of course, that when we ask these fighters to do that, then we shouldn't dump on them when, <laughs> right. when, when, when things don't go tremendously well. You know, you look at, I don't want to be harsh, but if you look at, say, and obviously styles make fights and, and you know, and, and different fights go different ways. Isak Cruz, pushed Javante Davis much harder than Ryan Garcia did. Admittedly, Davis hurt his hand halfway through that fight. Right. Raleigh Romero, for as long as he lasted, arguably pushed Tank Davis a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Leo Santa Cruz, for as long as he lasted, probably pushed Tank Davis a little bit harder. So Mario Barrios as well. Certainly Mario Barrios. Fight. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, you can also make the case that Part of the reason why Javante Davis was able to dispose of Brian Garcia was because he'd fought Isaac Cruz. To follow up on my earlier point, right. he fought, he had fought Isaac Cruz. He had, you know, he had fought Raleigh Romero. He had fought Le- uh, Leo Santa Cruz, and that all and and Mario Barrios, right. uh, and that all added added to it. But yeah, it wasn't a fantastic showing, and I, I'm not sure I'm ready to to. To, to write him off and, and say he's, you know, never going to, I mean, he's probably not going to be a pound for pounder, but I think there's probably there's a lot of potential for more success still for Ryan Garcia. Um, you know, uh, yeah, look, uh, Joe Lewis looked pretty terrible the first time he fought Max Schmeling, right? That's he true. Did all right. Right. Uh, I'm, and I'm not. <laughs> I'm not equating <laughs> Ryan Garcia. I think to you Joe are. Lewis. I think you just said that he's as have, good as Joe we have, Lewis. We have to we have to point that out. Uh, <laughs> but so it it can be done. Um, yeah, he just perhaps needs to take a little half step back uh, a little bit, continue to work on his craft, and and perhaps you know part of it also now is having been in there, he can maybe learn to be a little bit calmer in the ring. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked a little bit during fight week with some of our interviews and, and between us 
ourselves that there's a little bit of a feeling of Amir Khan about Ryan Garcia. And and I think part of that is that yeah, he's very similar in the sense that he's a fast-handed guy who doesn't necessarily have great footwork. But also, you know, Amir would sometimes get a bit too excited and and he'd stand in the pocket for a half beat too long. And sometimes had he always made for exciting fights, but if he dialed it back a bit at times, he might have been a bit more successful. And I think that's one of the things that Ryan Garcia might want to, you know, when he looks back at this tape, learn from a little bit that maybe, you know, that there was there was a middle ground between the passivity of rounds three, four, and five, and the, I'm just going to throw everything at him wildly and try and knock him out of round two. And and he perhaps needs to teach himself to try to find a way to, to thread that needle a little bit better. Um, he, you know, he, he's, he's going to take a step back for a little bit, uh, but I he'll have to rebuild himself. I don't know what it's going to do for his following or his social media following. I think if he gets back on, on the winning trail, he, he'll be okay. Uh, people do get upset about body shot knockouts because to go back to your very first point, because they don't understand them. Um, and they, you know, some people will have just seen Ryan apparently fine and then going down to one knee. So he'll probably lose some fans. And those are the kind of fans that he could probably be well off losing, to be honest, if they don't understand his job properly. Um, but he'll take, but I also think the fact that Javante is so obviously an extremely talented fighter, right? Uh, I, that that will work in his favor a little bit as well. It's like, okay, you know, you couldn't measure up to this guy, not yet, but you're still a kid. Um, you can still go back and, and try to add some stuff to your game and, and, and see where you go from here. Yeah, yeah, he'll be fine in terms of his popularity. He'll, he'll retain his fan base, I would think. I, I guess it occurs to me that the Four Princes, uh, trademark Karen Mulvaney, uh, mm-hmm. is sort of a fluid group in terms of time yeah. will tell exactly who the four princes were and whether there were exactly four of them. And I th- yeah. so right now it feels like Shakur Stevenson definitely moves into that group. Either Ryan Garcia or Teofimo Lopez, history may decide they didn't belong in that group. We'll sort they of have to see how it shakes out. Of the group. Right. One of, one of those two probably will be, and it's not clear yet which one ought to be removed. But right now, Javante Davis uh, is the biggest star of the group, uncertain, uh, undeniably, and maybe the best fighter of the group. That's what we hope to find out over yeah. over the years ahead. He does have a hiccup in the road first, though, of course. He's yep. likely to go away for a matter of some months. Um, is it, How detrimental do you feel that would be to the momentum that he just built this year, drawing 20,842 fans to T-Mobile Arena, headlining the biggest fight of the year to this point? Um, he'll be back. It won't be too terribly long. Um, but this, this seems less than ideal timing for him to possibly not fight again for nine or 12 months or, or something like that. I see, I guess, uh, and I'm almost going to hate myself for being just so crass about this conversation in that, look, he, he's probably going away for doing something very freaking dangerous. Uh, True. A hit and run for, for for which he then literally ran. Right. Um, but if he goes away, if he's in jail for three months, mm-hmm. 
Does it necessarily make a difference? No, right. If it's only like three months or so, that's the amount of time he would have taken off before his next training camp, probably anyway. Yeah. And, you know, he'll he'll try to even maybe build something out of that. I, I don't know. So I guess it entirely depends. And I simply have no idea. I have no idea what the sentencing guidelines would be for this. Right. Um, and yeah, was it Bernard who was suggesting that it might be six to nine months and, and serve like half of that? I cannot remember. I've lost count. I think I, think I what, may have what, said something like that when we you, weren't okay. recording. But it was Bernard who said his understanding is he's definitely going away for yeah. some period yeah. of time. Yeah, so so I guess that that's the question. If it's nine or twelve months, then and again, taking away the whole justice aspect of it, which right. I hate to do, but if, if we're going to look at purely from from that crass kind of perspective, yeah, it's nine or from months, a, we're we're talking about it from a boxing perspective. Yeah, so that, uh, yeah. If it's nine or twelve months. It's it's massively suboptimal uh, right. for a whole bunch of reasons. A, it takes him out of the equation. Um, at a time where you would want him to build on that popularity, uh, be it allows the likes uh, of Devin Haney and Shakur Stevenson uh, and perhaps Teofimo to get better and establish themselves more in the public eye while he's gone. That's and third, he's not going to be as good when he comes out, uh, at least not initially after nine or 12 months. Uh, he, he, he just isn't. Uh, you know, he could probably get himself back there, but, and it's also, my goodness, this is his peak. What is he? 27, 20, 28, 28, 28. Yeah. See, there you go. That's, I mean, it should be his peak. So right. yeah, a lot depends on what that sentence and what that sentence is, I think, to be perfectly honest. Uh, and and we'll, we'll just have to see. You can also say, I, I, I cringe slightly inside when uh, it's a legitimate question for Jim Gray to have asked him because it's the conversation that we've all been having. But when Jim says to him, are you now the face of boxing? And he goes, absolutely. It's like, it's like, well, then once again, boxing gets the face that it deserves because <laughs> right. the guy's going to jail. Right. Um, but, you know, he's, oh, he's I, the I, face I of boxing, but the, it's a mugshot. Uh, it's part is one of the ways exactly. in which we view that face. Uh, exactly. So it, yeah, it's always a little bit complicated. Nothing is ever uh, is is ever easy. Um, but um, boy, as a, as a, as a fighter, his stock just keeps going up oh, and up. And I'm absolutely excited for however however long we may have to wait for it. I'm uh, really excited to see where he goes from here and yeah. how soon he tangles with another one of the uh, princes. Yes, indeed. Uh, all right. So the uh, we we started at the very beginning of this by talking about uh, the timing, how convenient it was. Uh, Nine thirty uh, our time, we're able to start podcasting, and the undercard also made things convenient for us in that we won't have to spend too much more time podcasting <laughs> yeah. as we transition to the undercard. There's not a whole heck of a lot to talk about with these three fights, but we will touch on all of them, and certainly the uh, the MVP fighter of the undercard had to be the the winner of the co-feature, David Morrell, who knocked out Yamaguchi Falcao in the very first round in this uh, yeah. battle of Southpaws. Uh, it was uh, two knockdowns. First, uh, he, he, Morrell hurt Falcao with a, with a combo uh, that made his legs do a little dance uh, and didn't pounce immediately, seeming, seemingly pointing to the referee that maybe he thought yeah. a knockdown should have been called. But when it wasn't, he did pounce and immediately knocked him into the ropes for what was ruled a knockdown. 
Uh, Falcao got up okay, but a huge right hand finished it, and it was waved off without a count. Uh, I actually didn't jot down the time of the knockout, but it was in the first round. I know that much. Um, Falcao out cold on his face, down for a while. Um, I guess the the big question here is, did David Morrell just get himself a mandate to fight David Benavidez ASAP? Yeah, I I think so, and I and, and... He's been banging that drum and making a good case. And obviously, and one can hardly blame him, David Benavides is going to want to try and land, line up Canelo Alvarez. And of course he should. Right. Uh, but if that doesn't happen, um, and and particularly if Benavides gets the sense that Canelo might not be very interested in, in facing him anytime soon, Benavides Morel uh, is absolutely the fight that has to happen. And then the winner of that is in a very strong position. Uh, uh, to then go in and fight Canelo Alvarez. Um, one thing I will say, uh, we have both talked on this podcast previously about our lack of enthusiasm for the refereeing of Celestino Ruiz. Mm-hmm. And he took some heat on Twitter and uh, elsewhere for his refereeing in this fight. I I got to say, I don't see it, buddy. I And I know you don't either. I right. don't know what he could have done differently, to be perfectly honest with you. He could he have called the fight after that kind of first knock? I, I, I think don't he would think have so. been. I don't think yeah. so either. No. I mean, uh, Falcao never. Beating. Right. And Falcao didn't even fully go down on that first knockdown. He kind of fell into the rope. So, no, I, 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 I the, there was a bit of back and forth on Twitter of him having done something wrong here. And I don't know if it's just something we didn't hear in the broadcast that was being discussed, but I, I saw nothing to criticize the referee over here. No, it, it was a few sharp punches. It's it's not his fault. I, I really don't think it's his fault that Morel landed that fantastic right hand that just sent him out. I mean, he he stopped the fight instantly. He realized that the guy was out. Uh, it wasn't a sustained beating. It was from very early on obvious how the fight was unfolding. Right. It. I I think you actually said something to the effect before there'd even been a, uh, a first knockdown that this was obviously, this was looking like a first round KO. Right. Um, I, that's that's not on him. I don't, I don't think that's on him. I think Morel went in there and did the job that he had to do. And Morel's just that hard of a hitter. Yeah. We've seen, we've seen it before. We've seen what he can do to people. And, and especially, you know, Falcao stepping in fairly late. One thing that, uh, that was interesting, it, Clearly didn't bother him in the least. The fact that he was suddenly facing a southpaw <laughs> instead nope. of an orthodox fighter. Yeah. And and he looked in the same way that we talked about how confident and calm Davis looked. Boy, he looked. Morel never looked as if he thought it was going to go more than a round during the <laughs> right. ring walk or anything. He, he obviously thought he was in for uh, for an early, early night's work. So, yeah. And we've already talked far longer about the fight than the fight <laughs> itself, actually. <laughs> that's that's true, but we can't move on to the next fight without me sharing with, uh, with the listeners uh, my celebrity lookalike comparison for David Morel um, because he was clean-shaven, which I don't think he has ever been before he always has some sort of facial hair. He's clean shaven. I was like, wow, he looks really young. It looks like a baby face up there. And then looked at the little mini braid dreadlock things he had going. And uh, it occurred to me, he looks like one of the kids from crisscross. Yeah. And then there are all the 20 somethings listening going, what the hell's a crisscross? <laughs> well, and they I, don't... Of already... <laughs> sorry, go ahead. I just, if they don't understand, uh, perhaps I need to turn my jeans around, wear them backwards, exactly. walk on over there and uh, tell them what it's all about. Exactly. And 
as I said from the from I think when we first saw him at the at the press conference, Yamaguchi Falcao was a, the spitting image of Eric Morel. Oh yes, yes, good. Uh, that that that's a, we have uh, a fascinating uh, fight here between a crisscross guy and Eric Morel, and crisscross guy won. That's the that's the big takeaway there. Yep, there you go, boy. Once again. <laughs> kind of analysis you don't get on any other boxing podcasts. Um, I suppose we should talk about uh, Bektomir Bek, the bully Melikusiev against Gabriel Brasado, but I would like us to not talk about it a lot. <laughs> yeah. I think you probably feel I, the same way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set a timer. Let's say uh, maximum two minutes before we're okay. on to the next fight. How's that sound? Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. I, I mean, look, we thought that um, I particularly said with my prediction, why I thought it would go the distance is I thought Melikusiev would be somewhat cautious and hesitant after what happened in the first fight when he was opening up, uh, trying to knock out Rosado and Rosado knocked him out. I did not expect him to be that hesitant uh, mm-hmm. and that afraid of shipping another counter from Gabe Rosado that every time he backed him to the ropes or into the corner, he just basically seemed to just stand off, almost afraid to go in and, and attack. And meanwhile, Gabe Rosado appeared to be banking everything on the same thing happening again, I right. think. Uh, he was just looking to land one more big counter right hand and not doing anything else. And the result was a unanimous 99 to 91 decision across the board. And are we at two minutes yet? Uh, we're only at about a minute and five seconds, which uh, allows me a little time to just comment on uh, Jimmy Lennon introducing Gabe Rosado as oh, yes. the battle ready Gabe Rosado, <laughs> which is a wonderful euphemism for uh, for for Gabe Rosado coming into this fight. Um, listen, he 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 gave the effort that he had in him at this point, but uh, yes. we, we've said Agreed. all along, he's not what he used to be and good for Beck, the bully that he gets his revenge and gets to move on with his career. And uh, we should move on with this podcast and talk Let's about do. the opening bout uh, in which uh, Elijah Garcia took on Kevin Salgado. Uh, Elijah Garcia, of course we were very high on him coming off his previous win. He, we were a, a little too low on him coming into that and he wowed us and, and uh, won us over and uh, and then I think came came slightly back down to earth with this performance yeah. as as it went the distance. He won by scores of 97-92 twice and 95-94 uh, with the those sort of unusual scores uh, resulting from a point deduction from Salgado for low blows in round seven. That's how we got those odd numbers. I had it right in between those two scores. I had it 96-93 myself. Um, but it feels like maybe a bit of a good win. Don't want to be too critical of it, but maybe yeah. we pump the brakes just a little bit on Elijah Garcia right now. And maybe actually I was thinking to myself, trying to be glass half full, that maybe this was actually better for him in the long run. Yeah. Than, you know, he, he needs to bank a few rounds. He needs to learn how to get past these good but not great veterans who are going to come in because he's got a little bit of a target on his back now Mm -hmm. and and you've got guys like Salgado who are not going to want to be brought in as designated victims and are going to take their opportunity to you know to to try to uh, boost their careers a little bit and you know, that's Albert. He boxed quite well down the stretch in the end. Uh, he had some difficulty getting the range. Like when he got in close, Salgado was just able to rip him, very, especially very early on. And then it seemed like, 
I think you noted that beginning in round four, he started bouncing on his toes a bit, Garcia, as if he was just trying to get his rhythm a little bit. He did that for four and five. And then after he'd done that, he, he found his range. He found his comfort level. He realized, I think, that his greatest success was going to come from mid-range. He didn't want to get in too close because that was going to negate his advantage. And he was defending against Elgato pretty well at that point. His upper body movement was pretty good. He was slipping a lot of punches, blocking a lot of others, and then just looking to, to sort of pile up the points with some nice straight straight punches. A very good learning experience, I, I think, for uh, for Garcia being on a very big stage, albeit, unfortunately, in an empty arena <laughs> in a big stage. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, learning probably a fair bit. And it's probably good for him if the the hype train is slowed down a little bit. He's a kid. He's, yeah. he's just he's a teenager. 20. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, that's, the, that's, that's fine. All the, all this talk coming from him about I want to be a world champion by the time I'm 21. If he's ready by then, great. But I don't love that as a goal. He should right. really be taking his time and progressing. And and it, there's there's no hurry at all with Elijah Garcia. I'm not sure exactly how high the ceiling is, whether we're looking at a at a, a clear future champion here or not. But I don't know that he needs to be trying to set himself up to challenge for a title in the next 12 months or even 24 months or, or something like that. He's now 15 and 0, 12 knockouts. Just keep progressing. He, you know, really struggled to get going. The lost all the first three mm-hmm. rounds. I thought from mm-hmm. that point on, though, he fought well. He just, but didn't get the knockout. So it was a a perfectly fine solid performance that got better as it went along his stock doesn't drop i just think that the any of the sort of the the hype and the buzz coming out of the last one it cools off a bit now and as you said I, that's maybe that's a good thing maybe maybe he needs to uh work from a position of a little less hype and a little more let's just develop and and keep exactly. building and keep building the fan base along the way yeah yeah there's nothing wrong with that yeah all right, well, that's it, I guess. I guess that's, so. That's the card. That's the card. With It's another fight week in Vegas. I will say, I don't know how much of it is simply because it's been so many years since we've had the opportunity to be ringside at a big Las Vegas um, event. I thought the atmosphere was sensational. I thought yes. the crowd was terrific. I, bizarre. how, And this is really a Las Vegas fight card phenomenon, I think. Mm-hmm. How an arena can be empty, basically. <laughs> right. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, 20,000 people are screaming their lungs out, and and the atmosphere is absolutely fantastic, and the noise is through the roof, and the uh-huh. Wi-Fi is dropped out because everybody's got their phones on. And, <laughs> and, and they're all live-streaming video the entire time. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> exactly. Should we give a special shout-out? I think we should. Mm-hmm. To the guy who was walking ahead of us as we walked out of the arena, who was just <laughs> who had his phone up filming filming the backs of people's heads walking uh-huh. out of the T-Mobile whilst, whilst shouting about, what, every 20 seconds? Tad Davis! Right. Tad Davis! <laughs> as if as if saying it would make him show up. Special <laughs> shout-out to him. Yeah, I don't know if he was trying to conjure Tank or just to whether he was trying to rub it in for the Garcia fans, whether he was trying to get his fellow 
tank fans to join in with him. I don't know. You see it usually at a team sporting event. I'll, you know, walking out of a big Eagles win, there will be people trying to get the E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles sure. chant going. But yeah, the one-man Tank Davis uh, uh, rooting section as he's exiting the arena. I hadn't quite seen anything like that, but listen, he's a happy man. Good for him. Uh, good, right. good for all the Tank fans. It was a good night for them. Yep, and... and- Special commendation also to the well, you were guessing a four year old in the <laughs> right. in the bright tuxedo. Yes. <laughs> and the guy with the red boots. The red boots. We've got to mention the red boots. We saw a lot of over the top style on the on the floor in front of us and the, the comment I sent this in a text to Brian Campbell that uh that place was packed with people who I don't know if they're famous or not, but they're dressing <laughs> like they're famous. And I have absolutely no who I no idea who any of them are, uh, which says a little bit about me and a lot about the way people are dressing these days. And uh, wow, do I sound like an old man now? <laughs> yeah, well, well, we are officially uh, old and washed, uh, according to all the commenters on Morning Combat anyway. So there that's, you go. This that's was, true. We'll... This was the fight week that it was established firmly. That when when we are when we get back to the east coast and we have some time to process and and look up yeah. uh, our favorite comments and jot some of them down we will double back to that that's a, something for the listeners to look forward to is us <laughs> reflecting on what the youtube commenters were saying about us on morning combat they had um eh, some pretty good insults uh <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and uh and and we we're able to laugh at those insults uh for the most part they stung they stung <laughs> but we'll recover We'll get up. It's like a it's like a body shot. It puts you down for just over ten seconds, and then you get up and move on. That's right. Exactly. See what I did there, bringing it right back. Uh, look at you. Look at you. All right. So uh, that will do it, I think, uh, for not just this podcast, but for Fight Week in Las Vegas. Uh, it was a great fight week, wasn't it? I, I I think we both really enjoyed ourselves. We had some fantastic interviews. Thanks to everybody who who came on from andre war to joe goose and to bernard oscar de la hoya i'm gonna forget people if we keep if i keep mentioning them <laughs> right. uh it's gonna be like one of those oscar speeches um, <laughs> right. but it was i thought it was a really enjoyable fight week uh everybody made everything work really well for us and a terrific atmosphere and uh here's to the next one hopefully we'll have uh, uh another certain big fight to uh to, to announce and attend in the not too distant future and no no, I'm not doing a subtle hint. That's a genuinely. <laughs> I hope that I hope that that will happen. We don't. We, we don't have know no inside anything. information right. on this. No, right. exactly. but yeah, hopefully we can do this again uh, within the next uh, several months. That would be that would be just fine. That would yes. be just fine. All right, thank you, everyone, for listening uh, to all our podcasts. We hope we kept you entertained and informed. We will not be back on Monday. This serves effectively yes. as our Monday morning podcast. So you're going to have to go cold turkey and hang in there for about another eight days until you hear from yes. us next. But after getting whatever it was, four or five or, or whatever. I think I think six this week if we count Monday through late Saturday go. night. Six podcasts. That's more than so, enough. That is more than enough. You should be, you should be very happy with that. Uh, we will be back Monday after next. Until then, thanks again for listening. Be safe, be kind, and be well.